District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another installment of District of Conservation. I am your host, Gabriella Hoffman. Today's episode is largely going to explain the differences between leases and permits with respect to oil and gas development on public lands and some misinformation that Press Secretary Jen Psaki had put out there and also some industry commentary in response to it. We will also discuss this week a letter from 40 conservation, largely hunting and fishing organizations, expressing their dismay with the Biden administration's intent to largely settle or likely settle with the Center for Biological Diversity to close hunting and fishing opportunities on Fish and Wildlife Service lands on close to 2 million acres because of their objections to users using lead bullets and tackle, which is asinine. If you remember from Obama's administration, that was the last ditch effort that they put into place before the Trump administration went into effect. It has a lot of ramifications. It does price people out of the activities. We'll discuss all of that in tomorrow's episode. And also, we may be speaking again with Secretary Zinke. There's a good chance of that, given the events of energy policy, conservation, the sue and settle update, and much more. So maybe on Wednesday, my birthday, I will have an interview with Secretary Zinke again, former Secretary Zinke again. Here's our quick explainer about leases versus permits. It's undeniable that the Biden administration policies relating to energy, climate, and environment have invited higher gas prices and also higher electricity bills. Certainly because of the recent Russian invasion in Ukraine, prices have gone up a little bit, but largely this is attributable to the policies that have been in effect for the last year. Inflation was going up before Russia's invasion in Ukraine. Gas prices were starting to go up before Russia's invasion in Ukraine, and it's pretty disconcerting that this administration continues to say it's Putin's price hike when the evidence shows it's not. Briefly, before I explain the differences between leases and the permitting process, which is a huge blunder that needs to be corrected because Press Secretary Jen Psaki did put out misinformation. It goes to show they don't know energy policy. And also the fact that they continue to gaslight us about leases and permits and that their policies has not have nothing to do with what is happening. Their policies have everything to do with what is happening. And I'm sorry to sound really angry and harsh, but I'm really, really tired of being gaslit on this front. And like I said, the evidence is very clear. Their pushes for net zero, their various executive orders, 13990 and 14008, those two specifically had said, we're not going to approve drilling in Anwar. We're not going to approve new LNG ports. Recent executive action with FERC has said they're going to tie in accounting for climate provisions like greenhouse gas emissions for any approval for any new LNG ports and terminals, which is meant to deter new LNG ports and terminals from being built and accessed. It's obvious what that is. Part of their executive orders said they're going to review four years of energy policy from the Trump administration. They issued a review of the current oil and gas leasing program and recommended increasing the royalty rates to make it impossible for people to bid on the permits to be able to oversee leases. There's a lot of different policies that have been implemented 
that are being pursued that have a direct effect on what we are feeling right now. And to say it's just because of Putin, it's not only insulting to the Ukrainians, it's also insulting to any American who has common sense, an American who sees what's happening. This is something that both Democrats and Republicans are feeling. People are seeing the prices of gas go up, and it's not just because of recent events. It has started to go up for a while. And for this administration to be in denial of that, not surprising, it's par for the course. But I wanted to obviously make that clear that this is part of their agenda, this climate-centric, net-zero energy push, anti-fossil fuel. This is all an avalanche effect. This is what is resultant in such a short amount of time, too. And the fact that we are taking and importing oil and gas from Russia, and then who knows, soon it'll be Venezuela and maybe other adversaries. It's asinine. They have no problem with other countries exploring fossil fuels, but they have a disdain for it for us doing it here. And we produce and consume fossil fuels in a far cleaner fashion. We use better technology. We are cognizant of the different environmental concerns and want to make sure that fossil fuels are produced and consumed in a reasonable fashion. And that's what we do here. Our adversaries don't. And for them to say, well, just adopt electric vehicles, adopt this, adopt that. People cannot adopt electric vehicles because they cost more than what some people rake in and make in earnings across a year. It's really very callous and tone deaf for Secretary Buttigieg to say that for Saki, to say that for Biden, to say that like they really are so out of touch. And that's why we are talking about that here. Now let's talk about the leasing and permitting process and what the differences pertaining to those are. Press Secretary Jen Saki made a claim last week saying there are 9,000 approved oil leases that the oil companies are not tapping into currently. So I would ask them that question she said, I think, in response to Peter Ducey of Fox News. It's clear she doesn't understand what leases are and how those differ from permits and why aren't all approved leases being utilized to expand drilling. They're also being held up in litigation. If you guys know, like anything that radical environmentalist preservationists do, they love to put injunctions. They love to file suits through sue and settle and other type of legal framework and legal action to prevent any development, sound development, safe development of energy, particularly of the traditional oil and gas variety. And it goes to show that this press secretary and this administration have no clue about the permitting process and leases and the differences between those. And actually, they're going against court order to permit new oil and gas leases. The Department of Interior Secretary, Deb Holland, they're, they're not following through with court orders to make sure that these proceed. And this was part of Biden's executive order from one of his very first day one actions. What is an oil and gas lease? From a website called Ranger Minerals, they say that an oil and gas lease is an agreement between a mineral owner, leaser, and a company, leasee, in which the owner grants the company the right to explore, drill, and produce oil, gas, and other minerals below the surface of the earth. As a legal agreement between property owners and oil and gas companies, oil and gas leases are fairly straightforward. It is pretty simple to understand. Now, what is a permit from the Bureau of Land Management? Once a leaseholder, operator, or designated agent identifies an oil and gas deposit on a federal lease, they can file an application for permit to drill. It's beyond me that the press secretary, who's supposed to be the representative for the Biden administration's messaging, He's clueless about this, and I think some of the other people are not putting out accurate information, too. 
Why wasn't Secretary Holland the one putting out this information? She oversees them, BLM leases, but I digress. But that is a simple explainer on what the difference between leases and permits are. Leases for drilling are not the same thing as permits. I want to point to you a tweet from Town Hall's Katie Pavlich, who is phenomenal. We've had her on the podcast. I've known her for about a decade. She's really great at amplifying these things. So she found the Department of Interior's Bureau of Land Management page on this about operations and production. And she tweets, leases for drilling are not the same as permits. You can have tons of leases. The White House claims 9,000 and no permits. Permits can take ages to get approved by the government, federal, and local. Read about the bureaucratic nightmare straight from the Bureau of Land Management. And this is the excerpt she took out, and it references NEPA, the National Environmental Policy Act, National Historic Preservation Act, and the Endangered Species Act. The regulations that govern operations associated with exploration, permitting, development, and production of onshore oil and gas deposits on federal leases can be found under Title 43, the subpart entitled Onshore Oil and Gas Operations states that, quote, the objective of these regulations is to promote the orderly and efficient exploration, development, and production of oil and gas. Once a leaseholder, operator, or designated agent identifies an oil and gas deposit on a federal lease, they can file an application for permit to drill ADP. The BLM posts these ADPs on its 30-day federal public posting report page. The BLM governs the ADP process under Onshore Order Number 1 and its 2017 amendment, which is codified under 43 CFR Section 3160. The BLM cannot approve an ADP until the operator meets the requirements of certain laws and regulations, including NEPA, Historic Preservation Act, and the Endangered Species Act. Upon receiving an ADP, BLM typically conducts an on-site inspection with surface and or mineral estate owners, resource specialists, the operator, and when applicable, other surface management agencies or SMAs such as states, tribal representation representatives, or other federal agencies like the USDA Forest Service. After completing these expenses, inspections, the BLM, together with other relevant SMAs, conducts a NEPA analysis and then approves and approves with modifications, denies, or defers action on the application. Deferred action or denials can occur because the operator fails to provide all the necessary information or due to severe resource concerns. The BLM and other SMAs may add conditions of approval to the ADP to protect state site-specific resources, an approved ADP is valid for two years or until the lease expires, whichever occurs first, but the BLM may grant a two-year extension to allow the operator more time to drill. And I've heard from people who work in the industry, and we're going to have some more representatives from the oil and gas industry, independent operators especially, to come on and discuss this in more detail. But Emily Dominich, who is, you may know her name because of her brother, Ben Dominich, but she works for Leader McCarthy, and she works on energy and climate policy. And she put out a great tweet that there are 4,600 applications for permit to drill pending your, the Biden administration's approval, but go off. And she said this in response to the tweet about what additional permits do oil and gas operators need. And I pull up the BLM website. I'm doing that right now. And I'll link to this in the show notes. And this is the ADP what I referenced for fiscal year 2022 between December 1st, 2021 to December 31st, 2021. It said that there are 4,621 pending ADPs to be approved. The American Petroleum Institute has 
a great explainer on the red herring of unused leases. This person, Kevin O. Scanlane, says, let's address two claims heard about American natural gas and oil production amid the ongoing Russia-Ukraine crisis. The first, by some members of the Biden administration, including White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki on Thursday, is that American oil and natural gas producers are sitting on hundreds of unused federal leases and thus do not need access to more. The second, by some industry opponents, is that ramping up U.S. production will not help Ukrainian people today. Saki has made the claim about unused leases before. It has become a line the White House pivots to when pressed to explain why it isn't doing more to support American oil and gas production with soaring demand, putting upward pressure on prices, and with much of Europe at the mercy of its top energy provider, Russia. Key facts about federal leases, according to API. The law already requires companies to either produce oil and or gas on leases or return the leases to the government, the so-called use-it-or-lose-it provision, generally in its 10 first years. When a company acquires a lease, it makes a significant financial investment at the beginning of the lease in the form of a non-refundable bonus bid and pays additional rent until and unless it begins producing. For Federal Onshore, the Mineral Leasing Act prevents any one company from locking up unproductive, excessive federal acreage. Developing a lease takes years and substantial effort to determine whether the underlying geology holds commercial quantities of oil and or gas. The lengthy process to develop them from a lease often is extended by administrative and legal challenges at every stop of the way. The argument about unused leases is a red herring, a smokescreen for energy policy that had a hamstringing effect on the world's leading producer of natural gas and oil. It suggests American producers have been motivated by a desire to manipulate the market during the current crisis in Europe. This is false. American oil and gas producers are able and willing to do their part to support American energy leadership, including providing energy that can help allies abroad. Now they go on to the second claim about the usefulness of American energy to Ukraine. Technically, there's some truth there because, indeed, increasing American oil and production will not help Ukraine today. But the time for helping Ukraine was months ago. The Biden administration's support for robust energy production may have helped Dieter Moscow from thinking that European nations dependent on Russia might do less to oppose Russia, the aggressor. Instead, the administration discouraged energy policy, American energy policy. For more than a year, it has halted new federal leasing, key to future energy investment and production. It canceled energy infrastructure, blocked development in parts of Alaska, entertained new taxes to punish the U.S. energy industry, and chilled future investment by signaling that oil and gas would not be a part of America's energy future mix. America's future energy mix. All last summer, the administration called on OPEC, the oil cartel, to increase its production more rapidly in the face of rising energy costs by passing American producers. The current situation is a reminder that American energy abundance requires foresight and planning, investment and policy support. This is the path to sound energy policy that keeps America safe and strong and allows American energy to support allies. Also, there's a banking component to this as well with ESGs, what we talked about with Charlotte Whalen from Independent Women's Forum, and how banks are being discouraged under these ESG policies to allow for investment, to fund and give loans and provide financial support. There's a whole push by environmentalists to discourage investment in oil and gas, and that also is largely contributing to this malaise in energy security. I hope that explainer on leases versus permits was informative. It's confusing. I know it is myself, and I was grateful to both Katie and Emily for putting that out because there's a lot of information on different government websites, and sometimes with lots of stuff going on, it's hard to find it. But yes, look at where the government sources are. You'll find all the information. This administration should know better, and it's really amateur that they don't, but perhaps it's intentional. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of District of Conservation. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you're following the podcast on your preferred player. We recommend Apple because that's where the largest share of our listenership hails from. And you can also find us on Spotify and dozens of other platforms. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat nor a guest announcement. And please, please, please go leave us some reviews on Apple and Spotify. Those help us go a long way in seeing how far we can go and measure our progress. So we really appreciate that. If you enjoy this podcast, please share the word with your friends, share links to individual episodes and to the podcast. Want to appear on the podcast? Have an interesting story to tell? I'm all ears. Shoot me a message and we'll do our best to process your request.